The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Is your company about to be involved in a merger or acquisition? No matter what side of the deal you are on, this can be a daunting and very risky part of business. Welcome to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions with Sonia Weigel. On each show, you'll hear from top executives representing a variety of industries. We'll discuss the success stories, best practices, and lessons learned that can help you engineer a smooth transition that's good for your business and celebrated by your people. Now, here's your host, Sonia Weigel. Hello, and welcome to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions. I'm your host, Sonia Weigel. Every week we come together to discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly of mergers and acquisitions with guests who bring expertise and seasoned experience to the conversation. Think of this as your once-a-week consulting hour, where you can gain powerful insights and knowledge about the successes, failures, and lessons learned through the wisdom and experience of guests that each week come from a variety of industries and represent all sides of a deal. As the title indicates, we'll focus on the people side of M&A. Specifically, culture, behaviors, human capital strategy, and processes. How often have we seen deals that were beautifully architected from a finance or legal perspective, only to fall apart post-close because of culture clashes? My firm, SWC Management Consulting, works with companies every day to navigate the very important but often tricky world of organization transformation. We help our clients ensure these transformations are executed flawlessly and in a way that drives the success of their business. I love getting to work with our clients to bring tangible impact through human resources. Helping companies to harness their most important asset, their people, is why I do this. It's my hope to use this radio show as a platform to help many of you in the same way. By hosting an interactive show that gives the listening audience access to the the best minds in this business for the benefit of themselves and their companies. Okay, let's get the conversation started. I have with me today Gregory Reynolds, CEO and co-founder of GDI, and Dr. Deb Gordon, GDI's chief scientist. GDI was created by a team of business leaders and experts who saw a unique opportunity in the marketplace to develop human insights, solutions that could truly assess, measure, and improve cultures of performance with empowered individuals. This is actually part two of a a discussion that we first had in December on the role of diversity and inclusion in mergers and acquisitions. In part one, we learned about the science behind GDI's powerful workplace assessment tool and their initial thinking on DNI in M&A. Well, I'm thrilled to bring Deb and Greg back today because since we last talked, GDI has completed some new research on the correlation between who people are and their tendency towards inclusivity. I'm honored and excited to have you both back on the show today, and welcome to both of you. Hi, Sonia. It's a pleasure to be back on your show. Thanks. Hi, Deb. Hi, Sonia. Thank you so much for having us. No, I'm so thrilled to have you guys back. So since we last talked in December, you guys have been very, very busy, 
And I'd love it if you could just sort of share with our audience what's been going on with GDI, uh, with the business. I know you guys are always doing really cool research and looking into things um, in a new and unique way in the DNI space. Can you share a little bit about what's going on now that you're into 2017? Well, Sonia, um, it has been an amazing start of the year. I jokingly say that um, it's like we've been drinking out of the fire hydrant. <laughs> uh, it has been, we've had a wonderful reception um, with corporate clients um, that our unique perspective of looking at how the individual uh, shows up in the workplace as an empire empowered individual and what that means to uh, culture has been really well received. So since um, our last uh, discussion, we've been onboarding new clients, uh, starting to work uh, with them to look at the connection of where culture impacts business performance. Uh, you know, as we look at um, not only our um, solution that we last uh, discussed, which is our um, GDI assessment, we've actually started to create a number of additional measurements. Um, one of the things that I've learned since uh, working with uh, Dr. Gordon, uh, Deb, is that as a layman, I always thought there was only one uh, FICO score. And you know, Deb shared with me that there are over 45 different scores. So we're on an amazing path to start to create an arsenal of measurements to deconstruct culture for the benefit of both our customers and society. Wow, that's exciting. So you t- you mentioned uh, FICO scores. So how do FICO scores relate to the way that you guys assemble and assess data? Give me the correlation. Well, I'm going to give you a, a headline, and then I'll ask uh, Deb to kind of take it from there. Um, really, you know, FICO is kind of a... I would say a similar type of measurement. And because of uh, Deb's background, she was one of the original scientists that participated in building um, the original FICO score in 1989 and then worked with FICO for a number of years. And so when I you know, first conceived um, GDI and uh, assessment, I knew that I wanted an empirical measurement, something that was objective and non-judgmental. And the thing as a layman that was most familiar with me was really FICO. Mm -hmm. So it became somewhat of a kind of a catchphrase. Um, But with that, I have continued, um, as well as the enterprise, to continue to learn. And with Deb uh, coming in, uh, we have been that, that intellectual curiosity of kind of always asking the question of what are new elements of culture that we can identify, capture, measure, and then assist our, our client organizations in impacting that with business performance and enterprise transformation. So with that, I'll kind of turn it over to Deb to kind of give a better sense of what are some of the new measurements that we started to create. Okay, I would like to sort of support uh, Greg's uh, comment on the FICA score. Most people are not aware. They see one score and they're assuming it's the same score. FICO changes scores depending on the current situation and the history of the consumer that's being scored. So if, for instance, you've never had any delinquencies in the past and you have no delinquency now, you'd be called a super clean in in the FICO term. Uh, So there are a number of different scores. GDI is no different. We, We need a variety of scores to be able to get at a number of sensitive issues 
and, and to go deeper into those issues. So one of the scores that we talked about last time was what we refer to um, as our tolerance and empathy score or GDI score. Um, that is a score that measures your openness and sensitivity to others as well as an individual's empathy uh, mm -hmm. to another person. We've added into that um, our inclusion assessment, which looks at varying levels, in fact, all levels of an organization, to be able to determine uh, how employees feel about the group that they're in, uh, both from a group perspective and from a personal perspective, and how they feel about their manager, and how the manager feels how they're doing and about that group. And this goes all the way up to the top of the organization from the, the, the most fundamental level. From that, we can find gaps. We can find areas where, uh, say, not all the employees feel included, some feel excluded, or some feel that they've had to assimilate to uh, a, a group mindset, for example, or potentially uh, feel that they are respected for their value, but they're really not included in the group. So they're what we call differentiators. Um, in addition, we also will look at the manager, how the manager interacts with the group. We've seen some very interesting results where the group together feels highly inclusive and well appreciated, but when the manager comes in, they feel like they must assimilate. So we mm. can see very subtle differences that are going on in personalities. And we can see that throughout the organization. Uh, you know, I'm interested to know what size organizations do you typically work with? Is there a particular industry size that it makes the most sense for, or are you sort of size agnostic? Well, it's interesting, uh, Sonia. Um, we were very fortunate um, in our early stage uh, to be sponsored and endorsed by Time Warner. Uh, you know, they are really on the forefront of you know, diversity and inclusion and culture. Um, with that, um, our initial focus has really been on the Fortune 1000. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, ultimately, it's a universal measurement. But as a in kind of a new startup, our focus has been, you know, kind of global uh, Fortune 1000 uh, companies. Uh, anywhere, you know, some organizations um, have as few as, say, 10,000 employees. And, you know, one of our clients um, in just one division alone has over 200,000. So mm -hmm. uh, it's, it, it's interesting, um, you know, the type of work that we're doing. And at this particular point, you know, we're really partnering with organizations to um, answer those questions that have been so elusive for so many um, years. Uh, we're in kind of our um, initial partnering stage with some of the world's leading organizations. Wow. Deb, does the, does the data or the analytics translate um, ultimately to a middle market size company? Because, you know, we all know that the, the large companies um, have the, the, the resources and the need to, to do this at a global level. But some of those same organizational issues and ouches are very much present in, say, the middle market space. So from, from a data collection and analysis perspective, can you can you see... Can you envision 
similarities um, in, in the outcomes in, inside smaller groupings of people? Absolutely. Uh, we've been able to build a uh, an assessment that's sensitive enough that we can see it from a group as small as two people to mm-hmm. with their manager, the engagement involvement with their manager. And the, there are many cases where that isn't communicated. So the, the, the team may feel one way, the manager may feel another, but they're not telling each other. They tend to go on throughout the day or throughout their week and, and just sort of hide these or, or don't really communicate them. So yes, we can get down to a very personal level. The coupled, the inclusion assessment coupled with the GDI assessment gives us also the ability to see what the uh, levels of empathetic management are from, from the management side. So it helps us try to bring them together and at least create a conversation uh, and awareness that, that there are gaps. And they don't exist everywhere. So mm-hmm. you, you can focus your energies and your efforts where you do see gaps. So I know that um, what you're doing is really very forefront. And uh, I'm fascinated by the way you're aggregating what I think a lot of people think they know about. Um, you know, the, the idea of diversity and inclusion is certainly not a new concept, but I love the fact that you guys are looking at it through a new lens. I mean, how would you compare, how would you describe the conventional wisdom in this on this topic? And, and how would you compare that to, if there's a comparison, um, to what you're finding in your research and in your survey work? I'll start, and uh, Deb, you might want to kind of continue um, the discussion, but I think that where we start is in really in that place of the things that you don't know about yourself or organization, you're kind of that um, subconscious level, uh, the blind spots of individuals that actually, you know, those blind spots have a direct impact on the overall enterprise. So I think that that's what is uh, decidedly unique about where we start. I would like to add to that, we don't look at things as absolutes. So, you know, we hear terms like unconscious bias. There are degrees in all of us of different types of biases or limitations. And we don't build these tests for the purposes of trying to say, oh, you are biased against something. Um, We look at the degree of that bias. And... We try to find ways to help individuals learn opportunity areas. So there's no wrong or bad or um, you know, negative component to these tests. They're entirely focused on identification and growth. Very interesting. Um, I'm, I'm so, so interested to know when you are testing um, folks and testing individuals, what their perspectives are when they come in to participate in something like this? Are are what they're expecting and sort of what you deliver in alignment or do you find that people are surprised by the outcomes? It's a little of both. Um, What we're finding is, especially in the empathy uh, test, is that people often find it a very difficult test to take. In fact, the, the 
our 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 marketing group refers to it as icky because <laughs> it's asked to the, the test asks you to look through the eyes of another person and they define that person and you have to answer or respond to the the images in our in our test as if you were someone else and that's hard so often that aspect of the test hits people completely off guard and they find it illuminating because they find it hard to see the world through another person's eyes. That's definitely <laughs> the basis for, for all of this, right? I mean, the, the goal or the name of the game is to create enough awareness of yourself and of others to have some meaningful impact on bringing true inclusivity into an organization. So I, I love the fact that you have figured out how to quantify that in some ways, because that really does lend an additional level of, of credibility to this as we tie it to, to business outcomes and to business strategy. Um, so let's take a quick break. And guys, when we come back, let's talk a little more about some of the recent survey work that you've done and the correlations that you're finding. Um, we'll do that when we get when we come back in just a few minutes with Greg and Deb from GDI. Thank you for tuning in so far, and we'll talk to you soon after the break. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN. 
or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? You are tuned in to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions with Sonia Weigel. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to info at sweigelconsulting.com. Now, back to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions. Welcome back, everyone. I'm here with Greg Reynolds, CEO and co-founder of GDI and Dr. Deb Gordon, their chief scientists. Um, let's get back to our conversation. When we left for the break, we were going to talk, start to talk about some of the really interesting survey work that you've done and some of the, uh, the information that you're finding out um, on these matters. And I know that you guys take a very specific look, a very interesting way to look at these things. And so I'm really interested to hear what the survey's uh, results are telling you. You know, Sonia, uh, the interesting part about our evolution, and I will you know, definitely kind of turn it over to Deb to go deeper in it, is that when we first started out, we created uh, the GDI assessment, which is, you know, what we recently presented um, at the convening uh, hosted by Time Warner and Merrill Lynch. Um, and when we started out, we actually thought that, you know, tolerance plus empathy would equal inclusion. And what we soon found out is, you know, by actually capturing and measuring um, at the individual level is that it did not equal inclusion and that there were certain findings. And so as an uh, enterprise, what we started uh, to adapt as a part of our culture was that um, intellectual curiosity that, you know, we now go tolerance plus empathy equals inclusion question mark or inclusion Mm -hmm. plus tolerance and empathy equals culture question mark so we have been building these measurements to continue to go deeper to continue to try to find you know those nuanced answers to where culture impacts so with that i'll turn it over to deb thank you greg um let's let's sort of back up a bit um for, for many years, diversity and inclusion have been put together in the same sentence. The object is to try to integrate minorities in with the majority. That was the object. But diversity and inclusion are very much different. And, and as I've said before, it's like peanut butter and jelly. They, they're often put together, but they're very different things. Um, you could have a highly inclusive group with no diversity and you could have a highly diverse group with no inclusiveness. Right. So the object was to try to get down to the elements that really drive, <clears throat> excuse me, that really drive uh, inclusion and acceptance and, and that open-mindedness. And I, I like to refer to it as our goal is to have everybody see each other with an open mind and an open heart. So how do we get to that point? And we started looking at some of the fundamentals, some of the behavioral aspects and psychological aspects that drive um, both inclusion and that openness that we would like to see and, and looked at ways to measure that. So what we're seeing, interestingly enough, in, in our research is that 
it, we didn't find that if you had, um, let's say, a very high uh, uh, score on G-Dice, so that means you you have a great deal of sensitivity and openness to others, we didn't see that that was specific to any demographic or any age group. So it was surprising um, that we all have fundamentally different levels or different degrees of, of openness and different degrees of areas where we are less open. So that was an important finding for us to say that this isn't a demographic factor. This isn't a minority versus a majority factor. This is a factor of human behavior and human psychology. So from there, we wanted to go down deeper. We wanted to say why. What is it that people are doing that drives their sort of way of interactions together? Um, we looked at we looked at a variety of functions to be able to say what's underneath all of the factors behind that openness, that sensitivity, and that empathy. So our our key our key finding was it's not it's not related to any specific demographic or age. There's it's not even related to geography. And you know, uh, Sonia, when you start to think about like the conventional wisdom in M and A, uh, to the point of you know understand the gap in your culture. Uh, excuse me, you know, that you want to um, focus and, you know, identify down to like the line level of, you know, what is the um, existing culture in the two organizations that you are assessing for either integration or acquisition and, you know, and identify what's working well for both. It's, we're taking it to a deeper level, Mm -hmm. you know, and so when you start to imagine the possibilities of having the type of, you know, measurements that you find in other aspects of the deal, imagine where, you know, the percentage of um, successful conclusions of acquisitions, how those will increase, how those insights, and not from, you know, kind of a high level of, you know, really looking at what, you know, people perceive to be uh, culture, which is, you know, what are our, you know, what's our mission, what's our statement, um, our mission Mm -hmm. statement, our principles, and how are we living it? but really taking it down to not only the individual, but then kind of expanding that into areas of the organization where, you know, varying degrees of culture exist and where is alignment. So we're really talking about a new way of kind of considering not only who we are, but what are the enterprises that we're trying to bring together and what can we expect from performance. It'd be really interesting to to take that and to not only do an assessment of where we are culture-wise along the lines as you all are suggesting, but to almost uh, construct or pre-construct the ideal culture uh, as it relates to what will be the two merged organizations in the future. So it's not just a matter of, you know, who are we now and what's the gap between the two of us as individual organizations, but given where we want to take this combined entity and what the, the strategy is around that, what does that culture need to look like? And what's that third level gap between the two individuals' current cultures and then, you know, that mer- and then the merged culture and then what the culture ultimately should be, 
right? So kind of looking into the future and proactively designing that culture based on what you're able to find doing the initial assessments. Exactly. And then also the, the nuance of, you know, recognizing that um, depending on the size of the organizations that you're merging together, um, you know, where are, you know, those kind of natural um, integration points and what are the element or what are the areas that um, might need, you know, extra um, attention, um, you know, and then also how do you accelerate that combining, that kind of, you know, merging together of cultures. And when we, you know, speak of cultures, I think the one thing that, you know, we all, that we've recognized that, you know, we conflate a lot of terms, you know, culture, diversity, inclusion, but at the end of the day, cultures are made up of individuals. Mm -hmm. And so what we're really focused on is, you know, once you're starting to look at an entity as its entire workforce and what are the levels um, in which you can kind of capture and measure, you know, kind of going down, as Deb has said, um, to as you know, small of a, you know, a team of two, imagine the possibilities of not only modeling that out and, you know, kind of living in the world of predictive analytics of, you know, what is the success of the um, potential success of the merger, but how do you impact it? What are those levers that you can pull to optimize culture for business results? There, there's a, a point that I'd like to make, if I could, Sonia. When you go into a company, that we are sort of assuming a culture is one thing. You may have at the board level and the C-suite a culture that is um, innovative and, uh, and inclusive. But you get down to an operation level, maybe a call center, where it is command and control. Uh, you, you or a sales culture within that organization, which is highly competitive and based um, on incentives that may be completely counter to what the original culture is. Mm-hmm. So the, the problem is you, you don't know that. You just assume from the top down that you understand the culture. It, it may be very different in actuality than what your mission statement and your principles state. So getting that knowledge first and then understanding across two different entities before they are merged, what is is working for them from a performance perspective and what isn't, where you have high um, retention and where you don't, those are all factors that are incorporated into the analysis when we go into an organization. It's interesting what you said. You, when you're talking about the subcultures within the culture, that adds an, an added level of complexity that I am sure predominantly is entirely un, un, under recognized in doing these assessments, you know, if we do them at all. <laughs> but, you know, when, when they're done, the, the notion of these subcultures is, uh, is, is a really, really interesting component. So, how do you help an organization? Um, uh, analyze these things to that extent and then utilize that that information to really set themselves up for for success from a a cultural alignment and and merge perspective. Greg, do you want to start? You know, um, I think really where, you know, as um, an enterprise that we start to go is really in the power of the individual and recognizing that, you know, as we start to look at uh, these organizations and, you know, kind of um, 
where there's, you know, what are kind of those centers of excellence mm-hmm. that are kind of the um, the reason behind the merger? Like, uh, ultimately, what are we trying to get out of the merger? Is it that we're trying to, you know, drive revenue growth? Is it, you know, we're trying to look at innovation and where do those pockets exist? And by being able to go deeper and starting there, then you can start to build out from uh, you know those point those centers of excellence to the broader merger and where it makes sense. Makes sense. Makes sense. Deb, do you have any additional thoughts on that? Well, I was I was going to get back to the individual, but let's let's start with what are, what are the primary goals and motivations for the merger. So as you bring organizations together, you may have synergies in particular areas. Uh, that you are seeing potentially financially. What we can do is verify if those synergies will pan out because that the employees, merging the employees, will be compatible. Um, for the most part, uh, let's say you have one organization with a higher retention rate than the other. Um, you may want to look closely at what makes that retention rate unique it could be as simple as one person, one manager, uh, and the philosophy that they're, you know, exposing their employees to, versus another manager in the other in the other aspect of the merger or the acquisition, um, which has a higher uh, turnover rate. So we try to take into account the values from the merger and the acquisition, as well as the areas where synergies could be possible. Because the last thing you want to do, and you know this better than any of us, is you don't want to go through all of this and find that you've destroyed the synergies that you originally projected. Yeah, when you destroy synergies, the things that are at risk at that point are productivity, customer service, quality. Uh, All of these things are unintended consequences of not doing these things the right way um, from from the very front and um, understanding what areas, in addition to the traditional components of due diligence, need to be assessed and analyzed before we even contemplate uh, consummating a deal. Exactly. Um, It's just, it's it's a very, very risky uh, component to ignore or or to not understand that you need to, to discover. The other, the other concern that I have is that in any acquisition or merger, you have employees who are feeling disrupted and fearful. Uh, getting to those employees and recognizing their value, helping to sort of quelch or, or reduce their uncertainty um, at, a very, at a very personal level uh, and, and working on the key insights to help bring people together those are all components that will help for success. And are these things that you can assess for prior to due diligence or prior to the deal closing? It's, you know, sometimes it's hard or, or not even allowed to engage with employees before a deal is done. You know, some deals have to be done in the dark. Yes. So, you know, how, how, how can you um, encourage leaders to do that kind of work when sometimes it's not not necessarily a part of the due diligence. It, it is difficult. If, if they are open to really working to, to create a collaborative merger, it's much more likely to happen. 
if it is um, more of an aggressive or a takeover type of situation, uh, less likely to happen. But in both cases, being able to make those assessments and help bring people together uh, will benefit the, the combined organization. Yeah, that's certainly part of um, why this show exists, <laughs> is to kind of <laughs> spread the good news and evangelize about the notion that, you know, even in uh, not-so-friendly integrations, if at the end of the day the outcome is, is, is uh, success that you want, um, these are things and conversations and assessments that need to happen. And opening, opening up um, communication with employees to help assuage some of those fears, Deb, that you were talking about. It certainly um, pays a tremendous dividend on the other end in terms of a successful outcome. So let's take another break. And when we get back, I'd love to talk with you guys about some of what you're seeing and um, what you're seeing that's been successful, um, some experiences you may have had where things were not as successful, um, you know, just some best practice discussion. So we uh, will be right back. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in so far. We'll be back after a few minutes with Greg Reynolds and Deb Gordon of GDI. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Why? Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions with Sonia Weigel. 
To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to info at swigelconsulting.com. Now, back to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions. Welcome back, everyone. I am here with Greg Reynolds and Deb Gordon of GDI. And at the break, we were talking about the importance of engaging with employees uh, to help assuage some of their fears uh, before a deal is done um, for the benefit of future um, success and sustainability of the merger itself. But that's not always possible. And um, I, you know, I'm very interested to know, guys, what can be done um, when things are, are, when a deal probably has to be done in the dark or where, where the circumstances don't necessarily allow for easy interaction with employees before uh, a deal is actually consum- consummated. Well, I'll chime in uh, there, Sonia. I think that, you know, we imagine a future possibility um, where, you know, companies have their GDI index, that, you know, they are measuring upfront. Uh, the level of, you know, diversity, um, openness, empathy, um, and that they actually can both message this internally to um, their workforce, but also externally. And, you know, through that kind of new um, kind of current state, where organizations, it's not something like this is what we believe our culture is, uh, this is who we believe you know we are, but actually being able to see kind of the range of openness and empathy within an enterprise, how it's evolving, so that you know if you were going through um, a you know acquisition and you were looking at an organization, you would have some kind of market. Um, information going in about what are some likely, um, you know, opportunities. And then, you know, from that kind of starting point, at least there would be greater insights to alignment. And then post-merger or during, you know, the actual uh, due diligence, that then we could go deeper. Um, You know, you could unlock greater insights to elements of your organization and really look at, you know, true value, uh, kind of that last uh, metric that has you know, been missing in M&A. So we kind of envision a world where, you know, both as a part of the workforce, you would want to know before you joined an organization, uh, what is kind of the range of openness and empathy and kind of their GDI uh, index so that you actually know uh, kind of what you're getting into, what you're signing up for, that, you know, here's kind of our co-accountability that, you know, say uh, GE has a score of X. And if you're a new employee or a prospective employee, you can look at your own score. You come to GE and you know that there's an expectation mm-hmm. that you will continue to grow. And then for GE, they can message back to their you know workforce around you know what is that expectation and then you can kind of just take that to the next level as you know organizations are looking at you know where are opportunities they can also start to use the GDI index to start to assess whether or not um, an opportunity exists around a cultural a culture integration that is awesome <laughs> I, I, I love the idea of being able to quantify this, and there are multiple applications for that score. 
And to the extent that you can quantify that and and have a a set or or available score, you can weave that in to part of the quantitative analysis for due diligence on a deal. That's that's a whole new uh, area of opportunity that's very exciting, guys. And also the score is dynamic. And that's the other piece that's so you know, critical um, in how you're thinking about it, that it's not just kind of a stagnant measure. You know, that we, we're, we've we used correlations in the past and it's like, okay, well, this is your uh, DNI score. This is your kind of culture um, index, but really looking at how, you know, um, where an organization is in at one particular moment in how we would evaluate. So, you know, we, we really see a, a brave new world um, as we look at this kind of universal measurement, our core GDI assessment. If I can add, think about it from internal to an organization. You can create a motivation, um, a, a, a goal, as it were, that you would want all of your employees to strive to be in the 75th or greater percentile on GDI hmm. uh, and, and be able to uh, ins, you know, incent your employees to achieve that. You can do it when they merge over by saying, you know, that the, the, there will be some type of reward or motivation. It could be simple as a certificate. It could be, uh, you know, an extra vacation day. But to get your employees all to a certain point where they're consistent, um, GDI also will change over time. We do believe that the score itself is a learning experience. So the more times you take the GDI score, you improve it each time you take it because you're becoming more aware of that levels of sensitivity, the openness that you need as an individual, and your level of empathy. And so your individual score also could travel with you. Yes. Exactly. And that, you know, and and the way that we look at this is that you know, your personal development should be personal and private. That, you know, we look at um, the GDI assessment in its current state where it's something that uh, the individual takes that, you know, we don't collect, um, you know, identifiable information on the, um, the actual individual. We provide the insights back to them so that, you know, they see their blind spots. And by aggregating that information back up to the company, then the individual has context of what that score means to them in their workplace so that they can start to see, you know, kind of the diversity that exists, you know, kind of across the entire organization, within their region, within their office, within their team, and what, you know, kind of their fullness that they were kind of blinded to, their kind of the blind spots, what, how has that impacted them? You know, we've done um, some initial uh, research and, you know, one of um, the examples that we oftentimes, um, you know, um, suggest is that um, there was a person who had, you know, self, um, I guess, uh, self-disclosed that, you know, they were a 30-plus-year-old uh, straight white uh, man and their levels of tolerance were very high for everything, um, excluding gender. And their scores kind of fell at a place where they objectified women. 
And so when you think about who that individual might be in an organization where you know, they perceive themselves to be highly you know, open and progressive and tolerant um, and individuals within the organization might also kind of validate that, but yet because they objectify women, there is a disconnect. And how does that show up in the teams that they build and their interactions mm-hmm. and the like? So that's the exciting part about this and that, you know, once, you know, there's a part of it that we believe in our initial deployments with organizations that it really is about, you know, how the organization will continue to support um, and, you know, kind of um, a person's evolution, you know, how do they reward it? But we also, you know, believe that as this continues to evolve, it's also personal, you know. What are the things that we are doing that, you know, all of this marketing reinforces our worldview and is not helping us to be who we really want to be? So what we believe with the GDI assessment is that we are starting to give individuals insights into who they are so that they can start to make their own decision of who they want to be and can create new relationships with the world around them to start to get, you know, uh, opportunities of development that are moving them where they want to go rather than possibly keeping them kind of um, trapped in their current reality. One of the things that we we really haven't touched on yet, um, which I'd be interested in your perspective on, is uh, the, the notion that diversity and inclusion is, you know, morally the right thing to do. I don't think there are many people out there that would disagree with that. But from a business perspective, how do we move it out of the sort of, you know moral obligation column to something that's a, a discernible and definitive driver of business success? And you know, given the fact that you guys are so data driven on these sort of squishy topics, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'd love to hear your your thoughts on on how do we get organizations particularly those that are that are doing very well, you know, their financial services industry, organizations that are making money hand over fist, right? So how do we move them off? They, well, yeah, it's a nice thing to do to, okay, this is a critical component of sustainable success. Well, yeah. if, <clears throat> I, I can jump in really quick. We don't just look at our own assessments. When we engage with a client, we ask them to give us you know, their key performance indicators, the information that's important to them, and we correlate all of this together. There may be areas that are working wonderfully, and there may be areas that aren't. So, it, 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 again, we're talking about individuals, we're talking about humans, and humans have strengths and they have weaknesses when it comes to social interactions. So, the object here is to help make the relationship between performance and their population and help them find what works for them. So Greg often refers to this as optimal culture, which is a way of saying, you know, in some parts of your organization, you may have uh, a, a competitive sales operation and people love it and it's working well. Uh, in other areas, you really may need, you know, more innovative areas, you may need a more inclusive environment, and you can improve through that process. And kind of building on what Deb said is that, you know, that's really where we live, Sonia, that, you know, we kind of started in that place where, um, as we were doing our original research, you know, we, you know, I, as I said, starting this journey, um, 
it was like, how do we create an empirical measurement for diversity and inclusion? And after we finished uh, the initial research, what I recognized, I had been living in that place where diversity and inclusion was code for underrepresented. And that what we had done in uh, creating the GDI assessment is that it actually, you know, was a voice for everyone. It actually, you know, kind of, it, it was never, it was no longer an us versus them. So now as we go out there, we are really looking at how does culture impact business and enterprise performance and ultimately revenue. It's really important that in any uh, DNI initiative, everybody, all employees are able to see themselves as beneficiaries of the initiative. And so one of the things I really appreciate about GDI and the the indicators that you study is that it, it makes it very easy for that inclusive piece to stand very high <clears throat> in the uh, in, in the initiative itself. And, uh, you know, I think that's that's absolutely critical. So can we um, just talk a little bit more uh, before we're done here about what's most most critical from an M&A perspective? You know, before you start the merger, I mean, give me, give me three things for our listening audience. You know, let's consider this the consulting piece of it, right? What are, <laughs> what, what are, <laughs> give us three things to, to, to take away. I'm going to let Deb. I'm going to let Deb go with that. Deb. Okay. Um, okay. Let's see. Three things. First, understand what your culture is at multiple levels. Don't assume it's one thing because it's probably multiple things. Um, decide what you believe is important to you, and look for the gaps. So that would be my first. The second, um, find out. What among your your different components of culture is actually working for you, is actually providing the right outcome for your business, the right financial, the right ethical, the right uh, motivational outcome for your business? And third, work to retain what works best for you and try to find the right comfort zones for your employees so that they go into the merger not feeling that sense of fear and uncertainty, but feeling like they are welcomed into the merger and they're they're part of the process. So you could add to those, Greg? You know, I couldn't say it better, so I'm going to leave <laughs> it there. Well, I, I will just um, add to that and say that... Um, uh, it's very nice to have an organization and a tool like the GDI assessments to be able to facilitate those very kinds of cultural assessments as you contemplate um, going into a merger or an acquisition. And so with that, I'm just going to thank you both so much for being here once again. We may have to have a part three. I don't know. I feel like this is a conversation we can, <laughs> we could just continue indefinitely. But uh, Deb and Greg, thank you so much. For, for being here again with me. And um, I want to thank the listening audience for being here as well and to say see you next time, uh, next week, same time on the Business Channel and Voice America. Thanks and have a great day. Thanks for listening this week. You can tune in live to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions, every Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Please join your host, Sonia Weigel, again next week.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 